to be enmeshed in people's life, I really, that's, that's what it's been. It's loving and leading a local church with real people, with real names, and real faces, with real funerals and real weddings and real conflict and real political events that I didn't preach about and real political events that I did preach about and making those choices and, and sorting all of that out, I think gives writing a texture and, and I, which I hope translates to readers, a texture that, that just doesn't feel so generic. It's not anyone. What, what a principle in writing is that we often in the speaking communicators that you often feel like, okay, if I just, if I'm generic, it'll speak to everybody, but it's, it's often the concrete in particular that really moves people. Hello, my name is Adsum, and this is the Consider the Ravens podcast. We believe that discipleship should happen primarily within the context of the local church, but that the principal way that that has been bolstered throughout church history is through literature, whether fiction, non-fiction, from letters to works of systematic theology, literature helps us to understand the word and to get to know the world we live in. Hello, and I'm Anna, and it is our absolute pleasure to have Benjamin with us today. Welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Yay! So, just a quick introduction, and Benjamin, you can jump in if I miss anything important. Okay. You are the husband to Brooke and father to six children. So, you live in Harrisburg. Harrisburg? Yeah. There you go. Harrisburg. You got it. Perfect. Uh, you live in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, where you are the teaching pastor of Community Evangelical Free Church. You're also the author of multiple books and the head editor for GCD, where you host the Writer's Coaching Corner. Oh, we can breathe now. That's, uh, that's <laughs> a lot. Very good, Stevie. Um, yeah. So first of all, we mentioned that you've written quite a few books and the two that we've read and we're going to be drawing a bit from a bit from today were uh, shepherds and sheep and blogging mm. for god's glory in a clickbait world so i'd love just to hear a little bit more about that what inspired you to write them yeah oh thanks for asking um yeah so the um blogging for god's glory in a clickbait world the original title was uh just blogging for god's glory and and i think it turned out um, that one was co-authored with a friend of mine uh, named John Beeson. And we added the in a clickbait world because in a, in a sense, it gave us a sparring partner. I think it made the book, I, I'm biased, but more interesting in that, like, okay, there's a backdrop here that um, we all inhabit that is um, at times repulsive and at times compelling that like we feel the need. I feel the need as a writer blogger kind of person with words to be catchy and short and pull people in and, and these, this, this hunger for metrics that is very real and, and in some ways could be stewarded well for God's glory. And so it just, it, that's how that one came to be titled that way. But, but I would back up to say, how did it become a book? I um, was just, so seven, eight years ago, started blogging in secret and, uh, you know, which is not normally the way people would suggest to blog. You normally <laughs> don't blog in secret. And no one was persecuting me. I was not part of the, this underground blogging community. Uh, it was, I was just afraid. <laughs> I was not good with words. Yeah. Um, I grew, you know, saying before that I, I grew up as in kind of a math science guy and did engineering. And part of me coming to know the Lord was uh, awakening to books and literature that happened in college. And so I finished my engineering degree and, and did engineering for a while in seminary a little bit after that or during that. Um, 
but it was a very poor reader and writer. Um, I, I, I struggled there. And so I, I just, I'll go quicker here, but, but essentially um, through the crucible of seminary, learned I loved words and I loved writing and I wasn't very good at it, but wanted to pursue it. So that's how I started blogging in secret. And then I realized, oh, once you start not blogging in secret and want people to read, it still sort of feels like you're blogging in secret because <laughs> um, people aren't reading. And so it was a lot of wrestling internally with what does it mean to gather an audience and what ways would that be good? What ways would that be bad? So that's that book. The other book, Shepherd and Sheep, um, over the last seven, eight years, I've probably written about 85 articles for various websites across kind of the internet landscape from bigger places that we all might've heard of and some that are small and not heard of. But um, through that, I kind of was on sabbatical last summer at my church and I was thinking through what might be a gift back to them. And so I put kind of the best ones together in a book and, and it's not a big deal in a sense, but to us, it was meaningful. And we re um, had some book studies out of it to really think through a lot of, to really give back and say, okay, these, these things grew up in our relationship together. I learned these things while I spent time with you and over the last seven years. And uh, so I've put those together. We've been reading them together. Oh, I love that. That's such a lovely <laughs> idea. That's really great. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm really curious. This is um, already going off script. So classic us. <laughs> um, you said that you um, leaned more into maths and science. Do you think that that mm. has influenced the way that you've written? Well, uh, yeah. Um... It probably does. I, I do. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, so when I was first interviewing for my role at, at my first church, which is not the one I'm at, I've been at two uh, on staff, that I was an engineer was not something that endeared them to me. <laughs> and so I want to say, you know, they were like, they had a stereotype. Okay, this, you know, I think one of the first comment, compliments I got when I got there that I really appreciated was, uh, you're, you're an engineer, but not the kind we expected. And I'm not trying to make fun <laughs> of all engineers. Um, I one so when I say like I think the writing the engineering background influences my writing I don't want to have no one ever read what I've written because they project what that would mean um so it, it does I do try and yeah maybe maybe the logical part of flow and sentence and paragraph but but what's been fun is to, to be more playful and artful things that you can't do necessarily in strict papers and engineering and academic mindset mm. yeah I agree Absolutely. Talking of writing, for those of you at home, we usually talk about reading on this podcast, but as you may have gathered, mm. we're talking about a lot about writing today and getting to talk to a writer and kind of get Benjamin's heart behind that. Um, and yeah, Benjamin, as we've mentioned, is not just a writer, but a pastor, somebody with a pastoral heart. And we're hoping that will come through today. Um, what, what we're hoping that you'll get, listeners at home, is to love writers themselves, like to know how to support writers, to know how to read writers, to know who writers are, that books aren't just written and blogs aren't just written by just random robots online that are actually, yeah, real people. Um, and to that end, uh, we, yeah, we think that you've given an absolutely, yeah, wonderful explanation of pastoral work in your book, Shepherds and Sheep, as we've said. Um, but although you're talking to pastors, we think that there's tons in there that applies to, to writers. But what do you think are principles from that book that would yeah, be really important for writers? Mm. Oh, um, yeah, that's a great question. I, I think one thing that came out of that, and it wasn't necessarily intentional. I didn't like choose like, here's the things that should be done and writers, but 
I can just speak to what's been helpful to me is, is a rootedness uh, in a local church and in, to see, for me, home base is, is, is pastoral ministry in a local church. But, but out of that, um, you learn things. And, and, um, and so sharing that with a view to sharing and encouraging, kind of this, like you said, that, you know, blogs aren't written just by robots. There are other pastors and authors and, and the men and women who, who love the Lord, who are taking what they've learned and sharing that with others. And, and so, I, but I, I think to be enmeshed in people's lives, uh, the shepherd and sheep, so the essays on loving and leading in a local church, I, I, I is a subtitle. I really, that's, that's what it's been. It's loving and leading a local church with real people, with real names and real faces, with real funerals and real weddings and real conflict and real political events that I didn't preach about and real political events that I did preach about. Um, and making those choices and, and sorting all of that out, I think, gives writing a texture, and, and I, which I hope translates to readers, a texture that, that just doesn't feel so generic, it's not anyone. One, one, a principle in writing is that we, we often, in the speaking communicators, that you often feel like, okay, if, I just, if I'm generic, it'll speak to everybody, but it's, it's often the concrete in particular that really moves people. Mm. Oh, there are so yeah. many points I want to um, ask you questions about, but... I will try. And, well, I got time. <laughs> I, I don't know the length of your podcast. I'm just here. So I'm I will try. <laughs> I will try and calm myself. So we will do this a little bit more organized, <laughs> which is not very like me at all. Yeah, you did an excellent definition of blogging for God's glory. You said, firstly, to have our motivations aligned with God's. And secondly, to pursue excellence in the craft, including theological precision, beautiful prose, visual appealment, and the edification of readers, all drawing from the best industry practices. So just want to chat first of all a bit about how to glorify God, um, and then we'll go on about pursuing excellence. But firstly, how do you think these two influence has, influences have affected your writing and pastoring? You've mentioned yeah. a bit already, but yeah. Yeah. Well, Th thanks for reading that. I um, that is an attempt at a definition for blogging at God's glory. What what would blogging for God's glory look like? And you can remove blogging and put in a few other things. They might work there as well. But I do think there's a heart component, motivation level component that 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 is aligned with God's heart and motivation and aim for the world. Um, and then there's a okay, you're just you're doing it well, and whatever well looks like is somewhat subjective, but there, there are some things that are identifiable. And so it, for, for me, part of that definition and, and how we got to that, John and I was more looking at, there are people who are ignoring either one of those at times. Mm. And, um, you know, th their heart is right. And, and golly, they want to serve the Lord, but uh, it's really an ugly blog with pictures that are stolen and uh, they only <laughs> blog every, you know, four months. And then they talk about it on Facebook for, for nine weeks. And so you're like, okay, that, you know, these are not the best industry practices. And I know you love the Lord and you're trying to do it well, but you're not. So um, that, that's how that definition, I think, came to be kind of sorted out. And I think actually it's useful to think about it in those two categories. That it's not just one or the other. When it comes to blogging for God's glory, like the, the glory part and motivation part, I, there's a number of layers to that. And um, there's just all sorts of ways to get it wrong, isn't there? I mean, you guys are doing a podcast. Mm. What would it mean to podcast for God's glory uh, at a heart level? You know, right? I'm sure there's things that are thought through there, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's totally. something we think about a lot. Yeah. I, yeah. 
I I wrote an article a little while ago about why I write and yeah this really it resonates with me I I wrote essentially I write to love God and love people that those are my main uh cues and yeah what we found as we've expanded that to podcasting is very much the same thing we we're sitting down going actually well, when we're writing to to an author or a guest or something to say will you come on our podcast we start off by saying how can we be a blessing to you like oh we hope that this message will be a blessing to you whether or not you come on and things like that because actually I think what what we find or what I have found at least especially talking to other writers to other artists to other poets to other all sorts of yeah different creative people across the board is that their purpose behind (laughs) writing sorry their motivation behind writing daddy long legs I'm really sorry I ruined that. There was a ladybug that just flew into my face. <laughs> uh, I, I was really on a roll there. Uh, I know you were doing really well. I'm so, I'm so sorry, Benjamin. This, this will be a great you're... outtake. It's fine. I'll put this in YouTube. Totally fine. Ladybugs, yeah. You're good. So sorry. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, uh, where was I? So artists, writers, poets whatever it is, their motivation comes out of and springs out of who they are as a person, who who they are in God, their identity mm-hmm. in Christ. And yeah, if we're called to, to love people, to love God, if we believe that the chief end of man, for instance, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And if we believe that um, that, that should have an effect on who we, yeah, how, how yeah. we treat other people, then that will come out in our writing, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I think, yeah, one thing I'd, I'd ask, and especially for helping readers to, to read writers' work, one thing that really comes mm-hmm. across to me is that when I'm on, on Twitter or when I'm reading people's work, and especially people's work that I know, but with whom I might disagree with, I know their motivation behind it is very similar to this. I, I know mm. that they disagree with me. Maybe they're writing specifically to disagree with me or, or to okay. disagree with the point that I hold. But actually, I know that they still love me and that the reason they're writing about it is because of that on, on mm. most occasions or to be charitable. We're trying to believe that everyone does. What mm. ways do you think that that comes out, especially when you're writing things that might be more polemic, might be slightly more apologetic? Um, mm. how do you go about trying to love people even when you're disagreeing with them? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I hope I do that. I, you know, I want to be someone who does those things that you're describing there. So a few things probably uh, keeping in mind is I think to understand the real arguments you're actually arguing with. I, I think there's an, a caricature and straw man is the, the word that's often used of just the, 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 okay, you're not actually talking to the, what the real person actually believes. And I think there's a real tendency um, in blogging and, and, and sometimes corporate communication, not, not, I don't mean corporate business, but just communication to rooms and audiences that ostensibly it looks like you're, you're, you're speaking to people that disagree with you, but really you're just using all the rally cry words and language that the people who already believe what you believe can applaud you on your back and say, you, you did this on their turf and 
and, and you told them what's what, you know, it's the, it's the YouTube kind of videos trope of so-and-so slams or so-and-so owns his opponent or her opponent. And, and you're just like, I, is that really the goal of communication? Um, I, I don't think so. I don't think godly communication does it. So that's part of not just the best industry practices, but what, what is Christian communication? It, it, it has to not only align at a heart level of motivation. I want to honor God, but like it actually has to honor the people that God loves uh, as you speak with them. So there's probably a lot there, but I think starting with what the people actually believe and really speaking to the people who are in front of you in a way that they can hear it and, and embrace uh, what you're writing or speaking about. Definitely. Yeah, that's, that's really great. I, I think that's really important that we keep that in mind that actually, yeah, if we, if we're arguing for argument's sake, then we'll, f- everything will look like a nail if we're a hammer and it's just like, yeah, yeah that's, that's really important to remember. Another point that we'd love to, to discuss is that idea of pursuing excellence that we need to be slow to speak and discerning especially in an age when reactive viral posts are spread like crazy uh, how do you think that writers can be edifying in the way that they write looking to build readers up and yeah do so in a way that yeah is excellent and beautiful oh i i you know that's that i like that you put two things together there because they have one answer perhaps or at least one one way to answer it helps solve both of those one is the slow to speak and how to write beautifully and they both involve editors now i don't want to just justify my own existence um, as something that i do um, part-time is is edit articles but um one of the major critiques of blogging that i believe is legitimate is that there's this it is this kind of single author straight to the world wide web or the wild west you know here in america it's it's just anybody can say whatever they want whenever they want to say it and mm. there's no way to verify it. It's, it's not, there's no filter. And, you know, I think with a big organization with lots of bloggers and lots of editors and, and, and whatnot, like that gets huge, I, not GCD, our gospel center discipleship website that I work for, but like something really big, like, okay, it could be stifling. There's too many voices. Like you can't ever be unique. And like, but that is not the normal uh, fear with the average blogger. They can say whatever they want. And the problem is they don't have a filter. They don't have an editing team, whether a professional one to look at it or just a peer group of friends who would share that editing. And I think, so that's how it also, I think, speaks to the other part of the question of how do I write beautifully? Um, you can get there on your own over time, sort of like following the Lord. You, you can, we're conformed to the image of Christ as we follow him on our own in a sense. But God's plan is the church and discipleship and uh, to use a proverb, you know, iron sharpening iron, which can be messy and, and involves, you know, shaving off the rough parts. And I think that's what editors do. That's what a filter does. However, if it's not just formal editing. Um, and so that's one way I think we can really step up our game as bloggers is recruiting and inviting people to participate with us behind the scenes so that what is in front of people is actually as good as it can be. Mm. That's amazing. Also fits in really well to what you said about, uh, being part of the local church and about yeah. how important that is um and that is one of the things you said uh, isn't it about actually how i can't remember the quote exactly but you said something along the lines of um within when you blog you should do it within oh. the context of oh a rootedness church. in a local church yeah yeah, yeah. With people i think the idea of a solo blogger who's just out there to discern things and influence the world is 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 uh <laughs> 
yeah, dangerous, wrong, I don't know, unhelpful, Wild. all sorts of things. Wild <laughs> and uh, it can feel, you know, energetic. It's you against the world and, and, and it, there's a kind of a caffeine induced element to that. It feels good to, to be a prophet like Amos calling down the thunder of the Lord. Mm. And, you know, but I just think uh, that's, that's good. But design is, is to be rooted in local churches among people. And yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, and oh, let, so let me just kind of say one thing about that too. Yeah, so yeah. A part of that, the, the the double side of that. So how it's kind of you, you you oscillate between the two definitions there of or aspects of the definition: belonging for God's glory, heart motivation, character alignment. But then professionalism, editors, all those sorts of things, best practices in the industry, learning, reading. Um, the way, like, okay, editors kind of play into the best practice. But then, okay, you have to be able to receive that editing. And I have to be able to receive that. I, I, I right now I'm going through a writing experience that's a very discouraging one. I don't know how much I want to talk about it here on the show, but um, part of that is like, okay, what is in my heart? I'm not receiving this editing and feedback in the way I should be. And so that's how I think those definitions, they can be teased apart, but they often, uh, I think seen rightly go together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I have been on the end of your editing pen. Um, for, okay. for a couple of my articles and and i actually i actually have to say i quite enjoy being edited i personally i i'm a humble prefer... godly man <laughs> yeah well no <laughs> but i on all honesty i much prefer somebody else editing my work than than editing myself and that's that can be really hard because i like i know that i need to do more self-editing and even at the moment going through like old articles and trying to figure out oh what, what can I use from this and whatnot going oh I've already got to rewrite some of this because and this is like talking three four months ago just to collate this into a pdf for something and yeah what what tips do you have for self-editing I I'm trying to get better at this and I'm sure yeah. lots of people at home are doing exactly the same um yeah what tips do you have yep uh, just I'll, I'll give a few real briefly. Uh, one is much time as you can get separation from um, the, what you've written. You know, if it's an email, uh, you know, maybe a half hour <laughs> is sufficient. If, if it's a blog post, uh, maybe a day is sufficient, maybe a week. I, I understand there's such a thing as deadlines. I, I get that. But whatever time you can allow, I think is very helpful. You see it like you're describing here. You, you're looking at old posts from four months, just four months ago, but and yet in four months time, you, you both have perspective and maybe even in a sense growth as a writer. So time is helpful. I think printing out uh, in a very digital world where I, I think our eyes are just accustomed to, to skimming. Um, and, and so printing out often, it's, you know, studies show, I think there can be a comparable level of reading quality in either, but in general, we tend to go, try to go faster on screens. And that's actually what limits our ability to not only self-help, but just read with comprehension. So um, printing out, going slowly with a pen in hand. And then I use this a little trick for me, maybe that's what, I, okay. So third one would be just software beyond just word. Um, there's other softwares you can bring in. I, I tend to like Grammarly. I get no kickbacks, but I've paid for a software that does a little deeper editing. The last one, I just, it's so helpful to me and I, I use it all the time and I should use it more than I do, but I use the electronic reader, whether on my PC desktop computer or an iPhone or something like that to read it back to me, what I've written because it's often in the actual, I can print it out and try and read every word, but it's not until like a wooden mechanic, well, wooden mechanical, don't get it, but you get what I'm saying. An electronic reader 
reads actually every word in the order they're written. It's often then that I really find a lot of the typos that like I never would have seen. Again, we're just speaking purely self-editing. Those are a lot of the steps I try and do um, on important emails or certainly blog posts and books. Mm, I agree. And I was actually going to say, because uh, you edited a few of my um, husband's work, that that's why we've, uh, we've got you on the Zoom here so we can talk to you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <joking>. okay. <laughs> ma- ma- yeah, man to man. Just, yeah, yeah, really, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's funny. There was actually this time you added a comma and I'm not going to, you know, we're going to go back and forth about a comma or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um, <laughs> yes, I wanted to um, pick up on something you said a little bit earlier about um and something that you've also mentioned in your writing in the book about actually not just being reactive about um Mm. current events and it was actually john who wrote it um in the blogging Mm. no not blogging in the click yeah blogging in the clickbait world he says um i want to write posts that can be read a few years later and still be meaningful to the reader to provide a voice different than the news cycle uh, I just wanted to mention that quote. Uh, I thought it would be interesting to hear from mm-hmm. you. I, I mean, I'm hoping that you also agree with him. <laughs> oh, I do. Yeah, we, uh, we, we spent a lot of time talking through every line and word and, and, and when editing each other. Um, uh, and, no, I, I, I have, <laughs> and then we hired professionals to get the ones we missed, of course. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with that quote. I think it's great. I think it's true in pastoral ministry um, and, and, and writing there's a sense in which, um, okay, it's good. It's good sometimes to speak to current events. I get it. But there's also, and I'm thinking more in the local church context, but I, I try to give the gift to our church that we are not as current as whatever their favorite news outlet is that morning. We are, there is a slowness and a, and a, cause I just, if you are, I, I just don't know how I'd survive as a pastor and a writer if I was constantly forced to be relevant, current, trendy, uh, pertinent, electric in all those ways that it's just, I, it's, it, it, to me, it would be exhausting. Mm. Um, and so the, the, the name for that content um, in a writing world is called, they would generally call it evergreen, meaning it's it's like the trees that don't lose their leaves. Um, it's just always green. It, this, this post about loving a husband who is hard to love because he doesn't like to be edited that's always green. No, I'm teasing here. But, um, Sorry, um, can you send that to me, please? Because <laughs> oh, you like that, yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that, so I, I think there's a real sweetness in that. Now, that's not to say I'm not helped by. Okay, this is a moment for our culture and time, and, and I'm so thankful for the voices that can speak to it. But but I, I do find that the voices I appreciate the most, who speak the current events the best, are actually the ones in, in my mind. How can I perceive somebody's character? I don't know but I perceive them to be the people who are men and women of deep character and rootedness and the, the fruits of the spirit. And, and even if they're just secular, so to speak, they're not even speaking Christian white, but they're, they're people who are not clickbait. They're, they're trying to actually give a thoughtful representation of this current event. And, and so even, even when people are speaking current events, I think it grows best out of uh, the, the soil of, of character. Mm, I agree. There was um, another great quote that I, highlighted i also printed it out and highlighted all the things i liked Mm. and it said that passes major when passes major on the urgent we can inadvertently lead people to forget that the word of our god stands forever and that's from isaiah and i just thought Mm. that's that's really true about what you said i think 
often within we're going a bit talking about discipleship as well which we're both really passionate about seeing mm. and although this is a bit that's not quite blogging it's actually talking a bit about actually how not just reacting all the time but actually slowly teaching people about discerning like when you see something on the news or when something happens actually not mm. reacting really quickly but going back to back to god and everything like that mm. yeah one of the things we're doing on this podcast is looking through reform dogmatics by Hermann Bovink and yeah during the study and the research for that I've read things from Geherdes Voss and Kuiper and Bovink and yeah other Dutch reformers and what's really interesting is how pertinent some of these things are right at this moment in time and how actually like yeah it, the gospel being evergreen is yeah, it's mm. so important for us as we as we look to um, permanence. Actually, should, yeah, is what I'm writing going to be relevant? Well, if I'm writing about the gospel, if if I'm writing, um, yeah, from what I I believe the Bible is saying, then yeah, hopefully, um, and yeah. And, and on the flip side of that, I heard uh, I went to a, a a day of seminars on on preaching a while back, and the the man who was leading the the seminars said something to the effect of as soon as you use a pop culture reference in your sermon you are already out of date and I was like oh that's really interesting and though I I don't totally agree with that I'm not I wouldn't say that you should never do that I did get his meaning that he was essentially saying look like don't try and be current all the time because what you think is current might not actually be current. People are going to have different views on things. <laughs> like some Gen Z is going to come in and go, oh my goodness, dad, that came out five years ago or <laughs> whatever it is. Um, yeah. And actually, yeah, that can be very much the same with our, with our blogging. Um, yeah. Do, do you mm. want to say anything about that? Oh, I, I agree. I, um, yeah. It, it's sort of a, it's about a diet. I think there's a helpfulness to, to trying to address the world we're all living in, but the world we all living in, uh, if, if the biggest problems in the world begin in the human heart, man, that's been, then, it, then the Bible has a lot to say to that. And so being a Bible guy, a gospel guy, a gospel gal is, is really what matters most um, it, it, as far as how you major on things. Now, I, I, I'm not trying to discredit those who are doing thoughtfully, okay, this is my niche. I am actually good at it. Partly, partly why I just hesitate to speak culturally uh, very quickly is I'm, I'm not very good at it. I'm very slow. Uh, I live in what's called Pennsylvania and there's kind of perception that Pen Amish is a, you know, uh, kind of uh, rural people who live here in Pennsylvania. And there are some that are actually truly Amish, but I've made the jokes years, even before I moved to Pennsylvania, that I'm relatively Amish when it comes to current events. And so um, I'm just not very good at it. So maybe that's why I say people shouldn't do it. But <laughs> I can't remember who it was. I was messaging a podcast guest a while back and, and he was from the States and he said, uh, oh, what's the time difference? And I, and I was so close to writing, oh, we're about 20 years ahead of you. Um, oh, <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> because you're right, different places can be in very different places, uh, very uh, different time zones. Uh, yeah, century-wise, all sorts of things. So yeah, that's really yeah. interesting. With that said, we are gonna wrap up. Uh, it's been so, so good having you. Um, and yeah, we've been really encouraged by it. I know I, as a writer, have been encouraged by this. If you're at home and you are 
thinking, oh, I, I get you. I totally understand that uh, blogging is a viable, realistic form of writing that can encourage discipleship. I just, I don't know how beneficial it would be for my life. Um, would you have anything to say to those people that might help? Oh, uh, well, uh, it might not be. I mean, you know, it, I don't want to push people into it. I, I, I think just because others do it and seem to find a joy in it. I, I'm not a big prayer journal Bible person. Like I, I need a journal my thoughts. I don't, I, but, um, and so I, you know, I don't want someone to press what this, this non kind of canonical like thing that we have to do, you know, mean, mean, canonical meaning. It's like, it's not prescribed in the Bible. This is what all good Christians do. They don't all good Christians don't blog. Uh, but I do think for me, working through what the Lord is teaching me and sharing that with others, um, is a biblical thing. And for me, one of the ways to do it is writing. And, and, and you might be surprised there uh, as you dabble in it. Uh, others might be surprised at how much it does mean to them. And there's simple ways to start with simple free websites that don't have to be as big and professional as they might be someday. There's, there's, I just encourage if people have any desire to try to just write a few articles, share them with the pastor and small group kind of discipleship groups you have at your local church. Say, hey, these, there's some people that have been doing it here in my own local church recently. They're showing me some blog posts they're writing. Uh, a person who's kind of thinking about transitioning from one career into ministry is just, hey, I wrote these things. Are these like good or not? And I'm not asking to edit them, but just just read and tell me what you think. And and so I, th- I think that's a sweet way to start is just with the people you're around and get good feedback there. Mm. Oh, that's perfect. Well, thank you so much for chatting us really really appreciate you taking time out to do that uh, and i found it really interesting as well um just before we finish how can people find you these social yeah. media blogs books yep that's always life? that's the question at the end of <laughs> um blogging or uh, podcast is how, how can people find you and you know i, I know you just want a crisp answer here and we can wrap up the show they can show up at our church in pennsylvania harrisburg that would be the <laughs> best way to get to know me uh, love that and find me um uh, yeah you what's your uh, address credit card <laughs> number uh. <laughs> <laughs> social security passport um so yeah i don't so that that would be the best way i i i have access to all the social media things and, and have accounts there i i'm I'm holding a grudge at social media right now. And so I'm not on them as much as I was in the past. And that's a whole nother conversation. But you, people can totally find me. I still check them and occasionally uh, creep something out there. But my, my own blog is just BenjaminVerbercheck.com. Or if you can't spell that, which most people can't, it's FanInFlame.com gets there at the same place. That's a kind of a, a, a verse I, I draw from from the Bible where Paul tells Timothy to fan into flame the gift. And so for me, writing is, is I hope, is this way to fan into flame. Uh, other people's joy in God and the gospel and so that would get back to all my stuff oh I love that thank you Um, or you could go to Amazon I'm saying just buy all the books that have my name behind them (laughs) that would be the other way but I would you could start for free on my blog and we can hang out for a while (laughs) (laughs) thanks for having me all right thank you very much grace and peace